0: I needed to contain what you said emotionally and then go unpack it with somebody else. welcome to hi mom let's talk this is our mom and daughter podcast i'm ingrid i'm the daughter i live in new york and i'm vicky the mom i live in los angeles we're figuring out life from opposite coasts doing our best to
1: cultivate a raw and transparent relationship that is also generous and safe so mom let's talk hi mom hello ingrid Let's talk about the way that therapy has helped us. Good plan. We've done this before, and we're actually going to listen back to a conversation we had a couple years ago, which tells the story of the first time that you and I went to therapy together and then individually on behalf of our relationship. And uh, I think it's really an important conversation to continue to have. And it's a sort of pillar story, I think in our experience of being adult friends. Would you say that is true? Yeah, I think there definitely
0: there is a time and a place for an outside consultant to help untangle the tangled web and hang it back up on its strings. And then There is a time for that therapist to step away and the conversation and the life just to happen naturally again. So it's it's helpful to have both and to recognize that there is a time and place, sometimes individually and sometimes jointly.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. Something that I noticed listening to this conversation, which we had years ago now, is I think there's a little bit of a tone of like, and we figured it out about it, which I'm a little bit more wary of now because, you know, we things happen in shifts and life happens in waves. And so something that I think I would tell 2019 Ingrid, who was telling the story of 2017 Ingrid, is that you're going to have more of these. There's going to be more times when they're is like a little earthquake in the differentiation world or when you and I are really not on the same page for a little while. And, those, you know, that, that doesn't just happen once, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a, an important thing to say publicly because that continues to like, take out stigma of therapy and also just like check my own pride. You know?
0: Yeah. And we don't want anybody listening to think, oh, we have it all figured out. We never have any more struggles because that's not real life. So like, I really like the whole idea of the untangling the web, the person, the outside consultant stepping in on occasion. And but having an authentic enough relationship that we sometimes, you know, we just talk to each other and live life. And then sometimes we're like, oh, there's like this hiccup in the road right now. Let's figure this out a little bit better.
1: Yeah. Something we say in this episode you're going to hear is just that, you know, that if you feel like you can't have a conversation without a third person involved, you probably have more work to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the other half of that is just like, you will always have more work to do. And sometimes it will need a bigger outside perspective. And sometimes it'll be fine with just the two of you. And the more that we've done this, the easier hard conversations have been without us like bottling up emotion or waiting until some giant volcano where we would need a therapist necessarily. That said, in the smaller roles, I'm sure this is true for you too, a good lifelong friend that you can just bounce things off of first and be like, am I crazy? Should I be offended? how do I figure this out Mm. is also necessary. I mean, we we live in community. So we're, we're learning about each of those things. It
0: is so valuable to have a good friend that you can share life with and in our experience, definitely share prayer requests with. And I have one friend that I talk to every week and we don't live near each other and we just share life together and it's very special. And I have another friend that I don't talk to every week, but when we do talk, it typically ends in... Prayer and it's very supportive of each other. And we just, um, she just reached out to me today to weigh in on a troubling email situation in her life. And so we, we were able to talk about that. So that is important. And one of actually the distinctives and struggles that uh, women of privilege in the United States struggle with actually is having real friends sometimes. And so there is a woman that wrote a book, The Price of Privilege. And then the when sometimes the moms get over enmeshed with their teenage Children, uh, it's because they don't have friends themselves. So, the, one of the most important signposts and, and things to pay attention to at the end of the book was make sure you have your own friends.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's been really, really helpful for us post this first journey of, of differentiation as we've differentiate in our other places. One thing similarly that I've been thinking about lately is, and that I've talked to close friends of mine about, is how much I appreciate my, you know, few deep, close people near me, what it's something I appreciate about them is their ability to honor the people that I love Mm. while championing me first. So this like I'm going to say when something sounds unfair to you. I'm going to say when you need to stand up for yourself in a way that also honors the person we're talking about, Mm -hmm. because we I know you love them so that we're not making enemies of people. You know, I'm not flying off the handle on your behalf, but I'm also going to speak up. A nuanced ability to see the gray's
0: middle 20 something point of view that probably a a teenager and early 20 somethings doesn't quite have that ability to see the the nuance yet and to be generous. It would be a remarkably mature person that could be that generous with so many people it's possible and it's vital to teach perspective taking and we need to do it more
1: and that's part of what we talk about in this episode you know is that a lot of this first college section was hard because i i didn't see the grays you know because i was looking really black and white and that was often hurtful
0: and that was getting supported by the people in your midst at the time who also were just seeing
1: black and white who also only saw yeah black and white that's just time and and here we are five years later to say that it's still hard and we still have hard hard conversations but growth is happening and we choose to press in and have the courageous Mm -hmm. conversations so
0: thank you for continuing on in life together yeah thank you mom too enjoy this episode
1: hello Ingrid hi mom same place same place different time (laughs) (laughs) Ville. that's right The other day I was thinking, oh, how did I get started thinking about this? I think it just occurred to me that we hadn't yet talked about therapy, which must have occurred to me because everyone is talking about mental health right now, which is great. I'm really glad that they're doing that because this is an unprecedented time when it comes to mental health. But I think what's interesting about our therapy story is that we've both had therapy in different ways. And we've had some family therapy as well as our personal therapies. And it has actually had an influence on our relationship. So that's what we thought we'd talk about today therapy counseling (laughs) sometimes people call it counseling yeah other names different names for it yeah i guess that's true therapy is kind of an older name for it counseling is a little bit more in vogue but then it kind of goes further to i think you could make a case for like life coaching being counseling in a sort of different way yeah or you have like a spiritual director or something which Mm -hmm. is kind of counseling also.
0: Yeah, that's true. Life coaching is in vogue right now in the spiritual community, spiritual directors in vogue, although I heard about it a while ago. I think therapy still is kind of a common thing. I think one thing is that younger people don't have trouble using the word therapy. Maybe people older in the boomer generation have more trouble using the word therapy because it wasn't quite so in vogue in their generation. Although people that are boomers now sometimes get therapy too.
1: Yeah, yeah. We've kind of, of like reclaimed the word, made it a little less taboo mm-hmm. as mental health has become less taboo, also.
0: Yeah, so I went to a university that had a, a psychology school of psychology, and so they had therapists in training, so you could get $5 therapy sessions or something like that. Yeah, so I took them up on that. That was my first experience with therapy, and I enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed personal reflection and kind of like the life coaching thing. I've had a mentor since I was in junior high, kind of Mm -hmm. off and on in my life, a one-on-one mentor who kind of works as someone to bounce something off of. So the concept of therapy appeals to me and someone that's trained in it. Mm -hmm. There has been times in my life where they have appealed to me more than a mentor that's kind of a lay person that just does talking. Yeah, but not always. I mean, sometimes there's, you know, a friend can speak as much truth into my life, as much exhortation and encouragement as anything else. That's interesting. Did
1: your mom choose your mentor when you were in junior high or did you? No, (laughs) not like I did to you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to tell you to call you out, but I wondered if that's where you got it.
0: Well, because I was following the coaching of the day, which is high schoolers, teenagers do well with five adults in their their life that pay attention to them. So a one to five ratio. So I tried to orchestrate that mm-hmm. in the way I could. I never felt very successful, especially with you, but not really with Ellen. And I haven't even tried with Audrey, but Audrey has a different community. So it works well. My uh, mentor was through my youth group though, kind of like Audrey. Yeah. So I had a really strong youth group. It started really in ninth grade. I had one youth leader. And then in college, I had another leader who I would meet with one-on-one for coffee. And then... When I changed and moved to California, I had a leader who I met with. And then I did the therapy, the counseling session. And that was good and kind of exposed how I cope Mm. and how I disengage and detach from hindsight. And looking back on it, I think, oh, I didn't know very much then. And there wasn't a lot of language around it. So, you know, so much more research has come out in the past 25 years. But one of the things that the therapist brought to my attention is my coping mechanism was to detach when things became stressful. Mm. There was one time when it was pointed out to her because she missed an appointment we had. And so we came back for a follow up appointment. And she just asked me how I felt about that. And I kind of, you know, shrugged my shoulders. and I was like, Oh, it's okay, whatever. <laughs> and, and then she pointed it out. And she said, Okay, well, that's like a detaching oh behavior kind of thing. You're
1: like I thought I was being chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. I didn't know that you had a mentor all the way through high school. That seems really forward thinking of a high schooler to want to meet individually with an older person. I guess if it comes from youth group you already have a experience yeah. or a relationship there. But any time that I've sat down and been like, Will you mentor me? It always then feels awkward because then you both sit there like, Well, Here we are. Yeah, I don't think
0: we talked about it that way. You know, she didn't say Mm -hmm. I will be your mentor, but I went to a larger church. My family went to a small church, but they allowed me to change churches for the youth group because they had a larger youth group. So they had a staff female Youth leader and a staff male le- youth leader. So the staff female youth leader just reached out and connected with me, and I responded. Mm. So that kind of the way it still happens. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't like have a lot of formally orchestrated things. I really enjoyed that someone to work through things with in high school, and for me, it helped as I followed Jesus. We might probably read some books together. What was your experience? like when you first met with a
1: therapist was that in college yeah so beyond mentors I, I do think that I had different people in different parts of my life growing up to to talk to it, I don't think it really worked when you would like arrange for me to talk to someone in that way as a mentor that was like oh it'd be a older person in my daughter's life because it did feel pretty contrived but I still had like Aunt Kari and like other moms of my friends, you know.
0: I'm wondering if it felt contrived because they didn't carry on connecting with you on their own. It's like mom made us do this. I yeah. can understand the first time you got together at feeling contrived. Because yeah, it's like getting to know someone or on a specific topic. But if they had picked up the baton and kept yeah, running with it, the leader. which is kind of what a mentor needs to do in some regard. They, they need to show that they're interested. Audrey's mentors and youth leaders connect with her. She reaches out to them, but they intentionally connect with her and say, let's get together.
1: It might only be quarterly, but... Yeah, and it doesn't feel so much like this is the assignment or like the thing I've been asked to do, or even that like we have an agenda. I think that's what makes sense about your youth group leader just reaching out to you and Audrey's youth group leader reaching out to her. That it's kind of in their job description, but also they just like yeah. Are around each other so things kind of naturally occur and you're right it probably occurs to them to create more situations where more things would naturally occur.
0: Which ideally I think the Fuller Youth Institute that Mm -hmm. talked about the concept of five to one, five uh, adults in the life, you would have five adults in your life who would be interested and
1: that would just invite you over for making cookies. But I think that did happen it just happened maybe in a like small group setting where Mrs. Cross Crosby was a huge sounding board for all of the girls that were originally in Girl Scouts and then kind of grew up oh, together. Yeah. And my best friend Sierra's mom and I have a relationship like that where anytime I was sitting in her kitchen, she'd ask me some deep questions. Yes, and Like really have a relationship. Evangeline's mom as well. You know, those became like second moms to me in the different parts of my life. And that that was meant That
0: is very good for me to hear. I'm glad to hear that because as much as I tried to orchestrate it with people, I thought, you know, sometimes I tried to orchestrate it with people that were were between our generation like 10 years younger than me 10 years older than you kind of thing that didn't always work but that's good for me to hear that my friends and the moms of your friends were in your life and spoken to you
1: yeah i think it happened naturally actually on mother's day i got a
0: lovely note from one of audrey's friends who said thanks for being a mom in my community and friends with my mom and speaking into my life. So yeah, just by association. And uh, Ellen has a friend who mentioned to me, this makes my heart as warm as ever. And she's like, if I I had another mom, you would be
1: it. (laughs) I was like, thank you. (laughs) That is a beautiful compliment. So the first time I really went to therapy in a place where we paid for therapy was college. And that is actually the story that I think would be really interesting to talk about Mm. the two of us. That is the one that has a deeper impact on our relationship. So when I was in college, sophomore year of college, right? Yes. My freshman year, I dated a boy that I had gone to high school with as well. And there was some coercion in that relationship. And then we broke up. And this is my perspective. I think what would be interesting here is just for like me to tell my story and then you to tell Mm -hmm. your perspective, because I don't know what was going through your head on your Mm -hmm. side of the story. But from my perspective, you and dad approached me and said, basically, like, we're pretty disturbed that there was coercion in this relationship. We think you should talk through it with someone. Will you go to Mm -hmm. counseling? And I said, yes, I've been actually thinking about that, too. But I didn't go to the counseling at my school. My school also offered really cheap counseling, which in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense that I would have done that. But I felt weird about the fact that it was a really small school and everyone was in everyone's business already and mm-hmm. i didn't want to just like move buildings and talk to someone who might already know lots of things i kind of wanted to clean mm-hmm. slate which talks from a point of privilege because then we went outside of school and it was far more mm-hmm. expensive to a lady who talked me through therapy and um i did it for about a year or more i don't know and i really appreciated it i felt like she was really helpful in talking through some of like the deeper ties, we went pretty quickly into like family ties and working through your family tree and looking at all the ways that mental health and then physical things that kind of come out of mental health become patterns in a family line. Mm -hmm. We worked a lot on my relationship with you and dad because the biggest thing that I was doing in college was differentiating from you, which was a hard and painful process. My experience with it is shaped a little bit though by the fact that I knew that you and dad had wanted me to talk about the coercion in my first relationship. And I wasn't that concerned about it. I was like, you know, yes, it happened. I understand that it happened. We're both young and learning. I don't feel extremely violated. I understand. Like I, I, like I've, I figure I get it. I, I don't, I don't feel like there's a lot of baggage there. I don't know. But I never, like, in depth talked about it with my counselor, and that seemed to be a huge problem for you guys. So, like, the fact that I was going to counseling and my counseling was not taking the turn in the direction that you and dad expected it to seemed to create a lot of division between us. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> <laughs> just as far as that goes, I don't know, it's just like that far in the story. How did that work from your perspective?
0: Yes, that's it. It's interesting to hear your perspective and hear the language that you use around it. My memory of it is that it lasted only ten months. I think we we got to a price limit and we were said no we're not spending any more money on this. <laughs> we're not getting our money's worth out of it. If you want to keep meeting with her, you can, but we are not spending one more dime on this. And so, yes, I, that's my memory of it. I don't think that we spent more than that. So the the first relationship when we found out ab- about it was super troubling and upsetting to us, it didn't occur to us immediately to take action. It kind of settled on us because I think probably the first time we heard about it, we didn't give it as much weight either. So it's probably partly like the context we live in and hearing about it. The Me Too movement hadn't started then, but I would say now looking back on it, that would totally fit into the Me Too movement concept. So being in the context we live in now with the Me Too movement, probably I would raise my hand and say something sooner to one of my children. (laughs) But from what We understood then, yes, so we suggested finding a counselor. We agreed that maybe going outside of school was a good idea because it was a small school. But it was really surprising when the direction that this counselor took was to turn you back towards your family and recognize the differentiation in your family system. And as I recall, her mission and vision and goal was to help young women differentiate from their families. Mm -hmm. From my perspective, it didn't happen in a gracious and kind way. And I know I have memories of when I was in my early 20s in college saying things to my parents that were harsh and cold. And I think back to them now and shudder and think, "Ooh, I was so mean and rude. <laughs> yeah. And that's, oh, yikes. So I can, I can understand that. I understand how 20-year-olds, the edge is, is sharper, the blade is sharper, and you just cut through things and you don't understand how to be gracious and kind because you are trying to differentiate. So it has to be like a kind of a clean cut and right. the graciousness and kindness is missing. But the the whole entire mission and focus of her therapy seemed to be, let's differentiate from your parents. And then when we would kind of ask you, and we wanted to leave it private and we We asked you and sometimes you said, you know, part of what I'm learning is not to tell you everything. So that was kind of hard, but we tried to respect that. And that was kind of blunt. Mm -hmm. But then when we asked you, so did you talk about your relationship? And you said, no, I haven't. And then Daddy and I thought, "Um, wait, what are we paying for here? (laughs) The point of this, the point of this is to help unpack what happened in that relationship so that it doesn't happen again. So that was upsetting. Mm -hmm. That you didn't bring that up and talk about that. In addition to what you did seem to be talking about, was the whole "let's differentiate from my parents" kind of thing, and it didn't really happen in a gratitude-filled way. So I don't know if there's a no. No family's perfect, and every family has ruptures, and it's all about repairing. That's I just taught a family class on that this week on ruptures and repairs. So I don't know if it's possible to be completely smooth sailing. I don't think it is. That's unrealistic, but. But the concept of having gratitude for where you, you came from seems mm. to be a valuable one and that seemed to be missing. It, yeah. it seemed kind of like a harsh turn from you because it was uncharacteristic. The way you started talking to us, mm. the way you stopped talking to us,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: the way you were withholding information was uncharacteristic to you. So for us, the influence that you were receiving from that therapist wasn't positive and filled with gratitude. So that's in my perspective why it was really hard.
1: That's so interesting. I'm really thankful to hear you talk about that. One because this podcast in itself is a huge place of repair for yes. you and I. That that was the rupture and this is the repair. <laughs> yes. I think. Yes. In a lot of ways. That's so interesting because I did not it did not occur to me that it wasn't usual to me that it wasn't characteristic of me. Mm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that there was like a switch. I do know that there was something, maybe it's just the time, maybe it was the influence. There was something that felt time sensitive about it, which is ridiculous because we have our lifetime to work on our relationship, but it felt like it's now or never in this like transition into differentiation. And maybe this is something that you can remember from you being 22, but there's there's something just, just as painful for me about it, about not withholding things. I've mentioned this before, this whole, like, because I'm differentiating, there will never be quite the same, like run to mama because she knows everything about the whole world. Mm. Trust in my mm. heart either. Cause I know that you're a real human, which is exactly how I mm-hmm. should see you, except that it's not how I used to see you. And so because that's painful for me too, it's easy to react too harshly just to get it over with like ripping oh, off yeah. a band or, or cutting things too, too close. Just to prove to myself I can do it. I I bet there was some of that in there as well. Yeah, I think so. That makes sense. I cannot tell you why I didn't talk more deeply about my first relationship. I think I know you've mentioned this before out of your like the things you've read from the studies at Fuller Seminary and the psychology of growing up where like older teens into 20s feel invincible. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that was that must have been a lot of it because I don't know. And I know that there was coercion in my second relationship. And so I look back at it going, what was I doing? Mm-hmm. Like what and what might have been different? And you can only work in with what ifs for a very short time. Otherwise, it becomes unhelpful. Yeah. Um, But what if I had talked more seriously with my counselor about my first relationship and I dug deep and allowed myself to feel hurt and to to allow allow the shame to be there to work through it? What, what would have happened in my second relationship? I don't know. But hindsight is very much like, oh, mom was right as in most things. <laughs> well, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. But also, I had my spiritual director this
0: week pointed out to me when I was sharing with her something about my past, the decisions I made, because I heard somebody tell a story. And that made me reflect on the choices I made. And she said to me, but what if it wouldn't be different? You know, you, you're thinking about the what ifs in this direction. What about the what ifs in this direction? <laughs> what if you had made that choice? Hmm. And you ended at the same place. And I said, oh, that's interesting. That's a good way to consider. It's possible that I might not have ended in a different place. I might have ended in a similar place or the same place. Yeah. So I was making choices with the information I had and where I was willing to be at that time. And that's something to think about. What I like now with all the Tina Payne Bryson, Dan Siegel research that I study and the language they use is about being seen safe, soothed and secure. I just listened to a teaching Mm -hmm. from Tina Payne Bryson this week. She said, if our children are complaining, instead of getting irritated with them and sarcastic and being like, well, you should be glad you have a You're tired of being on the screen all the time. Well, you should be glad you have a screen kind of thing. Right, if right, right. we respond like that to someone, it's unsafe for me to share my feeling with you, even if I'm sharing it in mm. a rude way, because you can't receive yes. it. You're, you are get sarcastic with me. And when you become sarcastic, then that's unsafe for me. And I know yeah. I have been through a lot of life. Reflecting back now, there's a lot of relationships that I have had where maybe not all the time, but in certain instances, in certain topics, it's unsafe for me to be true to who I am with that person, Hmm. because they can't be a container of my emotions. So this is the advanced language Hmm. that I have at my advanced age and all the teaching that I have that would be lovely if I had (laughs) when I was younger. So I know that I have been unsafe for you guys, for my husband, but Hmm. like particularly for my kids at certain times with certain topics, because I have not been able to be a container for your emotions or for what you're thinking or for your experiences. Sometimes I think by the grace of God, I have been an exceptional container for your (laughs) emotions. And I do fully believe that that's the covering of the Holy Spirit in the moment. And I'm so grateful for God in my life when you have shared hard things with me like sometimes the first time you have shared a hard thing with me and i have been able to be a container for what you've shared and then it's like the reverberation afterwards that becomes
1: difficult as i reflect on it it's kind of like post-traumatic stress really it's kind of amazing the pattern that it takes in our family with you for sure both with me and with my sisters, when we have something really hard to share, the first time I talked about the coercion in my relationship, like the, all those things, I was so nervous and scared, and it was hundred percent the Holy Spirit over you to be so kind and, and clear and accepting and loving mm-hmm. in that moment. And you're right; it is all it's all of the after, it's all the talking about it afterwards, or not talking about it, or reaction that is mm, I don't, less less than holy, gracious. <laughs> less gracious. Less whole. Yeah, exactly. A little more of a train wreck sometimes between the two. But it's
0: really the post-traumatic stress. It's kind of like when a trauma happens to someone, you go into a period of shock and then mm-hmm. it's the traumatic stress afterwards that is hard to manage because it kind of continues longer. It's not a clean heal, So the reverberations of the trauma keep reverberating out. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard to handle. That's hard to be the container of. And just recognizing that we're two people and and you recognizing, okay, I shared this with my mom. She might have some trauma in hearing this too because she wants to defend and protect me and this is really hard for her to hear because all my right. life I've lived to defend and protect and keep you safe and seen and soothe and secure. Yeah. But then we've received training this year where we really understand I cannot control you <laughs> and mm. really recognizing that you are autonomous and I'm autonomous. A- and then for me to accept, okay, this is traumatic. This traumatic thing happened in your life. I'm feeling some trauma and some anger around it, but I need to handle my emotions and I can't place them back on you. That's not healthy. And that's where a therapist is helpful. And And we did go to therapists. What, I don't know. Did we go to a therapist together at one point?
1: Yeah. That's what I was just going to get to at the same time. All the derision that kind of came out of this first therapy situation sort of brought us to family counseling mm. back in yeah. California. A year later. And we did, I think, two sessions yeah but it was like a year later Mm -hmm. I started meeting with the counselor through our church who's a licensed counselor personally for a little while and then we did a couple of family sessions as well and I don't really remember exactly what we talked about I think it would have been helpful if I lived in California and we had like gone through a lot of sessions together Mm.
0: We went through some sessions, daddy and I together and then on our own individually. And that was helpful. It was helpful for me because just like I just said, I needed to contain what you said emotionally and then go unpack it with somebody else. And that was helpful for me. That was like the crucible of parenting an adult (laughs) and Mm -hmm. living as an adult who is more than a parent, like this whole tagline to our podcast. Was yeah. when I went to therapy by myself and had the conversation with my therapist about my brokenheartedness at not being able to protect you, about feeling mm-hmm. rejected in some areas, about feeling unvalued as a parent about my hopes and dreams that I had tried to convey to you not being what was held to in your life for some reason or another. So I had to do a lot of sorting that out with a therapist. And that was really healthy for me to figure out and to recognize that I had been wholehearted in my parenting and that you are a different human being with your own brain and your own choices. That was really healthy for me. was hard. That was like ripping the band-aid off, but it was the, the slow rip. And then finally, when we had that conversation with, with me and the therapist, I could see, okay, yes, I did my job mm-hmm. and you are your own person. And really, I have to say, spiritually, it helped me think about and understand God as our mm-hmm. creator. Being the creator who said, I created you in this beautiful environment, yet it gave you free will, gave you everything you needed. Wow. And you chose the one thing I told you not to choose. Yeah. And yet I still love you. I still will let you be autonomous. I will always let you choose. And I will always be here. I mean, my Mm. picture of the beauty and the graciousness and the love, the magnitude of God going through this
1: portion of my parenting grew so much. Jeez, Yeah. Wow. Those couple therapy sessions that we went to together just as a family, mom, dad, and me. Because we didn't have the time for me to like sit through lots and lots of family sessions all together, I ended up mostly just being like needing a mediator to, to ask forgiveness from each other. It was just like a lot of mm. rehashing past hurt. And then it was like, okay, I guess we're okay and we'll move on. She's kind of facilitated the giant apology. Which is good. That's useful on occasion. Definitely.
0: Well, it's helpful if the therapist can be the catalyst, but is not the only place that you can talk about it. Because if... If you can only talk about hard things with a third party, then yeah, then there's still trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a very authentic yeah, relationship, interpersonal right. relationship. You need to be able to talk about it on your own,
1: which we have. We've yeah. learned how to do that. I am so, I guess, just kind of awed and thankful to hear a little bit of your, your story as you worked through the hard things in, in your side of differentiation. Can we tell the backstory for just a minute of what it looked like before you went to therapy? There was one Mother's Day that was awful. Oh, and I canceled Mother's Day. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I just think it it is important to tell that story in order to say like there was a place where we were super messy before we got to the courageous place of of working through things. <laughs> and if you are still yes. in that really messy place, like there's hope for you. you know? Yes. I-
0: I did. I canceled Mother's Day. I talked about that in my parenting class this week because it was painful. Yeah. And there are painful Mother's Days when your children don't appreciate you. Uh, it For me, from my vantage point, two of my three children seemed really flippant. My, my third was too young mm-hmm. and uh, she was just kind of going along for the ride at the time. But you two older ones were differentiating from me and it just felt like the hallmark postcard holiday that it can be just like, oh, I got to remember to say Happy Mother's Day to my mom today. But it didn't feel sincere at all to me. And I am about sincerity and words mean a lot to me. So I just felt upset and my response historically has been to detach and to recoil and to pull away. And it, it took effort for me even to speak up and share how upset I was. But I did to Daddy and I think we together. I think I said I just don't even feel like celebrating Mother's Day. And I think he's the one that came up with the words, we're going to cancel Mother's Day today because this is not a happy day.
1: <laughs> it was one of the most terrible days of my life, too, <laughs> because Ellen and I had just shared each of us in our own lives pretty traumatic things, which you would then, I'm sure, work through in counseling later and like have a lot of post-traumatic stress to go through. But from my perspective, and like my sister and I talked about this from both of us, your original reaction to each of us kind of burying our souls and talking about hard things was so gracious. And we felt that to be like one of the most loving things we could do for you to be truthful. Mm -hmm. Which is true. That is my desire. Right, right. Um, But it was painful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then I, from my perspective, then felt more vulnerable and truthful with you than I had been in a long time and I was excited to kind of like come back to that closeness for Mother's Day Hmm. and and be genuine about it because I just been vulnerable with you and instead you barely spoke a word all day (laughs) and it was like the the iciest I've ever seen you and we tried to like go on a hike as a family because it was not a Mother's Day thing and it was just miserable and I felt such shame because I think your words were I, I don't feel like a mom, hmm. so I just felt like I had ruined it. Thank you for sharing that. Now that is hard. I didn't know it'd be that hard to talk
0: about. <laughs> it was. It was a hard day, and we each come at it with our own perspective. Yeah, the, I guess that it shows the the depth of our love for each other. That it it, it is so hard for us
1: to, yeah.
0: and and it, the it shows the hopes and dreams that we have for each other. That it is also hard for us to think about and and it and it brings up the pain
1: yeah yeah for both of our desire to be to be vulnerable and hold each other in a in a deep relationship does is kind of shown in those two stories of Mm -hmm. canceling mother's day and then working working through all the things that made it feel like we should cancel mother's day (laughs) it's hard not to be
0: received you i think felt i think you felt unreceived on that day, but you had felt unreceived for a year. <laughs> <laughs> I had felt unreceived, which is what was there. <laughs> yeah, at many different times, and I I reflect on that. I reflected last week on on Mother's Day, looking through. I was looking through some some old pictures, and there are pictures that I have that I don't like looking through. They raise so much pain, and they seem so artificial. To me. Mm-hmm. And yet I have other pictures that i I still can look at. And so I'm grateful that we have gone through the fire, right. gone through the waters and come out the other side. We have that to look back on and, and we have forgiveness, we have repair that we've been able to record yeah. and
1: and be <laughs> grateful. It's very powerful to repair each other. This is like therapy without therapy. Exactly
0: one on one. It is. But those are t- deeply painful times and, and painful memories. And it's it's um, in one way, I have to say, it's a little bit heartening to know that you have <laughs> enough prefrontal <laughs> cortex and enough compassion to think about that Mother's Day and say that was painful for me to see you like that because right. I was in so much pain. It's also healthy, I think, to recognize that it's hard to be the container of someone else's pain when you are also in pain and to say you're in pain, you're in a different kind of pain than I'm in pain, but I'm in pain seeing you in pain. And I know that I'm not able to be a very good container of your pain right now. And just to say that that is true.
1: Yeah. I thought of this earlier when you were talking about how we all need to it's it's obvious to us when someone else can't be the container because they get sarcastic and all those things. But I, yeah, it should also be said that you can't always be the container and that's okay. And yeah, mom can't always be the container perfectly for her children and you get sarcastic and that happens because we're human. I know with my best friends, there will be places where they'll be like, I was sworn to secrecy, but it's too big a thing and I need someone else to help contain it with yeah. me. And so now you're a third party, which is what a therapist can do sometimes and- Definitely what was happening that year was a lot of us not being big enough a container and needing some other people to help us. Man, I'm thankful that we worked through it. Absolutely. (laughs) We have worked through
0: it. We came through the other side. Painful memory. And then we we have scars. Everybody has scars and Jesus has scars that never go away. But the beauty, the joys that before us on the other side, working through it and saying, we love you. I love you so much that I'm willing to wade through this and this isn't going to be the end. That's right. We're willing to repair. I love you, Ingrid. Thank you for talking to me about this and coming, wading through this hard topic. And it's a valuable one. Courageous conversation, valuable for other people to hear that it's possible. Yeah.
1: Hug. Big hug. I love love you. you. Thank you for listening to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. If you liked hanging out with us, please rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback and your support. You can find more relationship tools on our website, HiMomPodcast.com. If you'd like to suggest a topic or share your own story, you can DM us on Instagram at HiMomPodcast or write us through our website. Special thanks to Sienna Ryder for editing our podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon.